I was also doing noise music and I felt super like I had this like way of recording on two devices over a mixer and like added on top like oh, layers and layers and layers and then before I even like started using Logic and then I used it as a tape recorder or something. So that's super interesting. So music was actually the original goal rather yeah, than visual arts. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, that's amazing. And what a detour in a way, right? And then it's still yeah. music and sound plays such a vital role in your yeah, pieces. It allowed me to, to do that. Act more freely towards visual art. Visual art came with the idea of church and museums and Michelangelo. And I, I was quite afraid of it. I wasn't afraid of music because I, I didn't feel that I had to prove myself yeah. on that. Yeah, and then it only came later when I went to Städelschule that this came together. And that was almost a coincidence. <laughs> if you could spend a moment with some remarkable people and discover what the life sounds like, what would you ask? Welcome to Are We On Air, an audio encounter. I'm Armand Nafei, and each episode will feature one conversation with an inspiring friend of mine who will share with us the soundtrack to their life. Guten Tag, beautiful people, and welcome back to another super episode of Are We On Air? This week's guest is none other than the art star of the moment, Anne Imhoff. Anne and I got together, finally a couple of weeks ago at her home slash studio in Berlin's Kreuzberg, where we sat down in her music studio to chat about her life, her work and her favorite tracks that define her. But it wasn't the first time we met. Some of you might remember that Anne graced us with her presence at our pre-Oscars kiosk event in Los Angeles a good couple of months ago, where through technical difficulties she couldn't actually play her songs. But no need to worry, that's why we have this wonderful interview and playlist for you. We covered everything from her beginnings in Germany, managing to catapult herself from living in a squad in Frankfurt all the way to superstardom and how her life changed overnight by winning the Golden Lion with her piece Faust during the Venice Biennale in 2017. From that time onwards, she had non-stop solo shows around the world. From the Palais de Tokyo in Paris to the Tate in London or the Stedelijk in Amsterdam. And of course, her many collaborations that capture the zeitgeist like none other by venturing outside of the art world and creating synergies with other creatives with the likes of Demna and Balenciaga, Ricardo Tisci and Burberry, and of course her partner in crime, Eliza Douglas. What a woman. I am totally smitten. Now, let's get to it and viel Spaß. So thanks for having us here in your beautiful studio in Kreuzberg, in your music studio. Yeah, it's like my... It's like half gym, half music studio. I love that. That's Somehow kind of... in a weird way, it has been like this forever. Like even even when I started making music, it has been like this. It wasn't like half gym, half equipment. That's great. Around. I love being surrounded by objects that inspire. Mm. I think that's the case here. Yeah. And I have a drawing table here, which helps because it's like directly connected. It's basically the upper floor to my house. So that's like a very good thing. I can just go up. 
Mm, scribbling along <laughs> making yeah. notes playing around playing just one key on the, no, on the earth piano I think that's like how I work is like this a lot of other people have like more of a of a routine they go to the studio but I have to be somehow it has to be like at hand or something like this like I'm I'm more doodling you know like I'm doing it's almost a tick while being on the phone the drawing and drawing on something yeah I do it all the time <laughs> Well, when we're not doodling, we think about music and sounds. And why don't we start with what's your earliest significant musical memory that shaped you as an artist? Nah, that's a good one. I thought about that. There's one thing that I thought about, like concerning your question. So that what shaped me as an artist is actually everything I ever like saw, everything I ever heard, and and so I I thought of okay, this is actually. The first significant thing was music that played in my house. And my parents, like my father loved or loves Baroque music. And he was playing Bach. And I think like the Matteo's Passion is one, one of the things that has like the most significant pieces, I think. And it was playing in the house. And I was growing up in this small town where there was a bishop. So it, it's basically like they had a big dom, domos, like what do you say, like cathedral. Cathedral, yeah. So there were big like celebrations with choral music. And so I heard this also in church. And this is a, I think, significant experience, like once experiencing alienation within that and then beauty that comes with it that is also like playing into this alienation as something like as a moment to to uh, where you think okay i could get out of here via that or this is like a, a vehicle for my thoughts or something like for fantasies Another thing is like my father, he always played the Chopin impromptu for me, like the number four for going to sleep.
And then, of course, the music that, that I started listening to then to have a contrast. Such a beautiful moment. So when you hear Chopin, it takes you right back home to your dad. Is that the feeling? Yeah. He had a grand piano and I was like kind of lying. Mm. Like sometimes I was like falling asleep below it. So that's like one of the memories. Another is interesting actually that I, as a child, I loved a certain kind of music. Maybe you know that too is like this um German folk music that was played in the 20s like that's this like Wandervogel music and there is this band called like Zupfgeigenhansel and this is it's not the name <laughs> yeah, it's really odd like I, I I thought about like keeping that a secret to you no, but then I was kind of no, okay maybe cool. and it's there there's a song like called Ade zur Guten Nacht and it's this like it's super beautiful this like lullaby song And the band is called Zupfgeigenhansel because that was the name of the book that the Wandervögel, this like subculture, that these like groups had with them, like where their, their songs were listed. It's, it's quite beautiful too. Can't wait to hear it. Well, we're going to hear it now, but... Dass ich muss scheiden Im Sommer, da wächst der Klee Im Winter, da schneit's den Schnee Da komm ich wieder Im Sommer, da wächst der Klee Im Winter, da schneit's den Schnee Da komm ich wieder And then there was like the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix. Which we're getting to now. Like, <laughs> Is that why you got a grand piano as a homage to your dad or to your upbringing? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was here. That grand piano got, got me. <laughs> it was here first. <laughs> I love it. Well, we, you just mentioned Beatles and obviously... I think February when last time we saw each other was of yeah. course in LA at our little kiosk block party and you were like oh I want to play that was nice yeah that was nice we'll do another one we do one in Berlin as well uh, which of course yeah, this time we won't have a, <laughs> a cable to connect yeah. to your phone <laughs> but it kind of leads me straight to my next question how would you describe yourself in three tracks who is Anna Imhoff in three songs <laughs> what brought you to Limits us well, to those three songs that's I know it's Im it's impossible and everybody impossible. struggles everybody struggles and I always say well the soundtrack to our life always changes right it's like yeah. it's never definite it's always indefinite but I you can look at it more like maybe three tracks that really kind of had a moment in your life that I think played a role you know it's not so much oh what I listened to this week my favorite track of the week it's more like mm -hmm. okay because for, for me when you mentioned when he came to the keys and he was like, oh, I'd love to, I would love to play some Beatles. And I was like, oh, you know, like, yeah, I was, uh, I had no idea what you're going to play. So I was like, oh, that's unexpected. Okay, tell me more. So there's Jimi Hendrix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you experienced? I think that's, that's one of the songs that I like the most in the world. And that struck me at a point where I was not thinking about music in a way of like how's that song written? like I, I was like 
just so amazed by the energy that the song has. If you can just get your mind together, then come on across to me. We'll hold hands and then we'll watch the sunrise from the bottom of the sea. But first, are you experienced? Or have you ever been experienced? Well, I And I remember that I was 20 at that time. I was like living in a squad. Here? No, not in Berlin. In Frankfurt. Ah, Frankfurt. Oh, Pro a proper squad. Everyone thinks Berlin. I'm like, no, no, go to Frankfurt. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was like, it, it was quite like, how do you say, like, I love those German words you're using. I don't know how to translate them, but they're like say so... It's not romantic, it's something else. I was kind of like, I was... Taken care of. Uh, in, in, a, in a way, it was, it was it was safe. It was like uh, yeah, coming home. It was rough and safe at the same time. Maybe. <laughs> and um, so I was pregnant at the time and I was listening like it was the last days and it's heavy when you're like pregnant and it's the last days of this like journey and I listened to Jimi Hendrix I remember this and and was like okay this has to be over now and now it's a new chapter and like this song like I experienced that was the the song for that era like the whole like my whole beginning of the 20s like first second third year or something like this and it always had the significance to me i think it's one of the best like songs rock and roll history ever written and it has this in insane played backwards parts that he played that are it's insanely well done this i found out when i like, got to know about new songwriting Interesting in that time, it was because there were there were a lot of people. It was almost like a headquarter or something like this for people like crushing there this house that stayed in the guest room for a couple of days or a couple of weeks or for half a year. And then because I had this apartment all for myself and I had a I had keys and stuff, so they were always like putting their record collections into my apartment that uh -oh. was the thing I, of course they're heavy you don't want to have them yeah, when you yeah, travel yeah. right and they left them and i remember that that this was like so cool so cool <laughs> for me because yeah. i had i had access like the first was an artist from brazil he, and he had this amazing like tropicalia collection it was insane and i had that for like two years oh. like at hand to, to listen through it and then there was this one who actually also she played she told me how to play the guitar and she left her Marshall amplifier and like, which is was next a, to us yeah it was like <laughs> a stack like this yeah. <laughs> with the top and she was also leaving her like Motown records and she had a quite significant selection of right girl punk from the states because she was playing in a right girl punk band but in Germany which was a weir really weird thing but they took the wave that came from the US and then 
they wanted to sign like young girls that played punk or rock and roll. And she was like, they were signed by Sony other than the other girls in that band. She could really play the guitar. And it was like amazing to have her like teaching me stuff. That, that must have been like the early 2000s then, right? Ish. Mm, yeah, that would be mid 2000s. Because it was like, also that. that period of sound, which was then still kind of popular. Also, you just mentioned record labels. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that popped into my mind was the Distillers. I don't know if you remember those. It was like a punk band from the US as well. Yeah. A female-led. But anyway, it just popped into my mind. So I was like, oh, what year was that? <laughs> it was, it's interesting because, of course, this like didn't, re didn't really work out here mm. in Germany. Like mo most of the people then I know, they went to do electronic music. Yeah. Maybe that's because of the Krautrock past here. Mm. Anyways, like being much more significant than for the idea of, electronic music and Kraftwerk being such a big like thing I, it's not really my time or like was not my interest but I think that's that idea of like electronic music and like them like having equipment that was like then very significant for me because I could use it like I could use the guitar as the like everything that basically was dumped in, <laughs> in my in my apartment I was like oh, okay and this is the time that I said before where I had this uh, living room that was like part gym and part like music studio. That's exactly a point that always comes up. It's like as an artist or especially in music, especially at a young age without great funds, you kind of pick up whatever tool you have around you. Exactly. Like for a certain period, guitars were cheap. So that was the instrument to yeah. pick up. Same why Kraftwerk and all these people start picking up electronic or creating their own instruments, basically. Yeah, exactly. And I like that. Like, I was like, okay, for me, it, there was this codex or something that if I would earn money with, yourself, with making basically. music, then I could buy a guitar for myself. You know, like it was this, you only buy a guitar if you, like... You work your way towards it. Yeah, and this, like, borrowing stuff from others was kind of cool. They had cheap guitars. I could treat them like, you know, it's... Upcycling it before the world light. was even used. <laughs> well, it felt light. Yeah. I was also doing noise music and I felt super light. I had this like way of recording on two devices over a mixer and like added on top like oh, layers and layers and layers. And then before I even like started using Logic and then I used it as a tape recorder or something. So that's super interesting. So music was actually the original goal rather yeah, than visual arts. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. And what a detour in a way, right? And then still, yeah. music and sound plays such a vital role in your yeah, pieces. it allowed me to, to do that. act more freely towards visual art. Visual art came with like the idea of church and museums and Michelangelo. And I, I was quite afraid of it. I wasn't afraid of music because I, I didn't feel that I had to prove myself yeah. on that. Yeah, and then it only came later when I went to Stilschule that this came together. And that was almost a coincidence. <laughs> uh, I love that. I love a detour like that. There's Nirvana <laughs> Lysium. Yeah, we love, we love. We love this album. And also, I think this is maybe the band that influenced me the most or that I thought the most about. It's okay, cause so are you Look on here 
but I was also very lazy. I wasn't somebody that followed bands or looked for albums or like people drop like it it's like people drop their record collections. It was also I stumbled across a song and I was like obsessed with it. And I listened to it like over and over and over. But I wouldn't even ask who what it was you know like it it was a bit of a weird like journey that i had with things that really influenced me i think it i almost found you yeah (laughs) like the piano found you (laughs) yeah it's true uh yeah i can totally see the nirvana connection uh, that energy as well and that rawness And I think if I was also like people like Janice Piorich and this this whole electronic but industrial influence that comes with it, not as not as much. I wouldn't put it in a song list. <laughs> we don't have to. We're gonna curate the your playlist as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But do you do you remember actually one of the records from that Brazilian record collection that you? Yeah. I can't really pronounce the titles, but there is like a song by Vinicius de Moraes and Maria Creusa that we just like do, and it's like the most beautiful love song. Yeah, it's really, it's really beautiful. E assim quando mais tarde me procure quem sabe a morte, a angústia de quem vive, quem sabe a solidão, fim de quem ama, eu posso me dizer do amor que tive. There was Centano Veloso in it, for sure. Yeah. It's probably one of the greatest live performances I've ever seen was Veloso. And Gilberto Gil. Just yeah, two, Gilberto. two guys and an acoustic guitar yeah. on a stool, packed out arena and the people going nuts. And it's like these two old men on their gay acoustic guitars. And yeah, it's just amazing. so magical. It's Where like, did I, you see them? In Brooklyn. They did a world tour. They had as an amazing live album of that. I'll send it to you. I've never experienced something like this because yeah. the crowd was basically the echo chamber chamber because yeah. of course they hits to them all of the tracks that were performing yeah and it's literally just two guys and two acoustic guitars and the audience becomes the third yeah. band member basically it yeah. was really like goosebumps i was like i'm probably probably the only non-brazilian there i was like what are they saying what is it i love it todo dia o mesmo dia vida tanta Nada novo sob o sol, tem que se esconder no escuro que na luz se banha Por debaixo do lençol, nessa terra dura é grande a ambição pequena 
Carnaval e futebol Quem não finge, quem não mente, quem mais goza e pena É que serve de farol Existe alguém em nós Em muitos dentre nós Esse alguém que brilha mais do que milhões de sóis E que a escuridão conhece também Existe alguém aqui Fundo no fundo de você de mim Que grita para quem quiser ouvir Quando canta assim When you listen to music, do you listen to more like the overall art or you actually, die, as an artist or a musician, dissect? It's like, oh, what did they do? Why is it so good? Or is it just like you let it overflow over you? Yeah, I think I let it, let it overflow. Yeah. I would say that that I also experience music in a way I don't often go to concerts. Like you, the experience you, you just described, it's like, it's a lot. For, to me like I'm not doing that <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> the last the last concert though that I went to was incredible it was what like was it? Rosalia ah. and it was I think it was m one of the most profound experiences that I had for a long time oh why Wait, you saw her here? Or? yeah uh. I saw her here and I I didn't know how incredible she is like I didn't know that she's like kind of the voice of the century oh yeah it's like wow It's true, though. Yeah. Favorite Rosalia track. You have to ask me the other things. Like, of course, she's, they're all coming. They're all it's coming, coming up, don't worry. Coming <laughs> We're working our way through. <laughs> the sexiest song. Yeah. Oh, is that Rosalia? Of course. Yeah. That's like, that's really, maybe D'Angelo and like Rosalia. I have an either or list for you. I'm sorry. Oh, well, listen, we're going to put all the tracks onto the playlist. Don't worry. <laughs> they're I all going to be. For sure, like Rosalia's Malamente is one of the like sexiest songs that I know. D'Angelo track that he made is called Untitled, I think. It's amazing. And also, Rosalia is the, the track that I also would give you at hand for the Falling in Love track. And sometimes with love also comes heartbreak. <laughs> like they go to heartbreak. So. My heartbreak song, I think, is Dido and Aeneas. Do you know Purcell? Um, Dido's Lament. I think that's the heartbreak song. As beautiful as Rosalia, I think. It's just a very beautiful song because... Dido is like mourning Aeneas and she sent him away, but she's still like about to commit suicide. And then 
is like saying this lament song. She says, remember me, remember me, but forget my fate. And like when I hear this, it's like even without a broken heart, I like have like um and seen in a post. Oh, how do you translate that? That's a hard one, but it, yeah. it's a beautiful saying somehow. Yeah. But the feeling that you have when your heart is broken and the feeling that you have when you're falling in love, I thought about that reading a question. Hmm. It's almost the same. Hmm. It's a very fine line. It's a very fine line, but you feel life somehow in the most existential and deep way. And so... Maybe the Dido and Aeneas track and Rosalia's track are not so far from each other. I think sometimes this is the this is the thing like also especially this one, like it's almost when like when life ends, you're in this moment of like a beginning or she sings about not something ending but something beginning. And I break one of all times is like Alicia King try sleeping with a broken heart. I mean that's the best song ever. a great track okay after the heartbreak you know when you come out of that phase without okay i'm getting my life back together mm. and you're getting another and like a new wave of energy okay i'm gonna pull myself out what's that track joy division's dead so 
I like it. Well, Anna, if your life would be a movie, your Netflix documentary, <laughs> what song would play in the end credits? I think that would be also a Joy Division song. Like, Disorder would be good. Beautiful movie. Did you, do you connect with Ian Curtis? The movements that he does while dancing, like maybe with Iggy Pop, one of the most mm. like influential things for movements that I thought about. And also, there is something about the spasms and the rhythm that I, like, yeah, I feel I've been waiting for a guy to come and take me by the hand Cause these sensations make me feel the pleasures of a normal man These sensations bear the answers, leave them for another day I've got the spirit, lose the feeling, take the shuffle away It's like an ele electric eel, you know, like that. this energy going through. It's like a state energy. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a lot what I was thinking about, especially for Natumot, is the stage and what it is. And because I invented some kind of a way of performing where the stage is like a pit formed by audience and it's a 360 degrees, like being watched and it was interesting to me for not to want thinking about bringing the stage back in as this stage that says this is the person that performs <laughs> this is the audience and then basically also thinking about the audience as performers meaning like i did stage audience the performers were though in front of the audience so to say and I, th I think that the stage performances of people like Ian Curtis or like also Iggy Pop are like super influential for me to think about this. What else is on that track list <laughs> that you're eyeing? <laughs> no, it's like, I, I, I only have the, the old ones. Bach. I love Bach. You know, it's funny, uh, beginning of the conversation, I immediately envisioned, I don't know if you remember this scene in Berlin calling, because the dad of, Paul or Kalkman or whatever is a priest and he goes to the church and is playing Bach and there's the connection to this like hard techno in comparison. It's so funny you brought up, I just had this visualization of that. It just came up. Just a little side note. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I chose Bach to be the music for the film I made, um, the film that was also playing in the show in Los Angeles hmm. uh, of the film where this ho herd of horses is like running 
that was the one that sh was shot in Moscow or oh, Russia. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it is it is Bach, um, Matteo's passion, but Erbarmendich this track, and it was interesting because. I thought this would never fly because it's so heavy loaded and it's so emotional and it's like such a like yeah a heavy track and then this was the only thing that w that worked like everything else was just like <laughs> it was like crushed by the images so I was thinking okay this is like I I know that Tarkovsky once said this that if he wants people to feel this that's the moment in the movie, that's that's the moment he's putting Bach. <laughs> Nothing else I quit holding. It's interesting. I just saw again the turtle here in your studio, which of course uh, was also on your, not of course, was part of your merch that I bought in LA. Uh, first, I have to be honest, drawn by the colors, which are our colors, yellow and black. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. I can wear that. It's like <laughs> but your what's microphone. The symbol? Exactly, like the mics. But what are, what's the symbol? What's the meaning behind the turtle? The meaning behind the turtle is like, actually, that the turtle is one of my favorite animals. <laughs> I can see that now. <laughs> because turtles are slow. I'm very slow too. Uh -huh. And I think it's like, it's not liked by many people to be slow. Like it's somehow against the idea of things working. Especially in today's fast-paced world, world yeah. we're living in. I hope I didn't rush you in anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch out. So. <laughs> There will be the big revenge will come. <laughs> and in my piece that was called Rage, there were per turtles, like were the animals that joined us in performing it. The turtles were like tortoises, so like big, big turtles. For, of land, land turtles. N land turtles. And they were walking around um, the performers. It was very slow, that piece. And performers would have vapes and <laughs> they would put the vapes on top of one of the tortoises and the tortoises would walk and then another performer would pick up the vapes and would continue smoking. So there was this constant, like they were basically travelers and they were also like the ones transporting like things from one to another. Yeah. And I think now with Emo, it was time to bring them back <laughs> as a symbol. <laughs> That time is like relative and we are all in it together. What track would represent the turtles? <laughs> oh, which track? Yeah. The track that was in the piece Rage, there was only whistling. So that was not, I thought about melodies and then <laughs> we just whistled them long. The tortoise track, huh? Maybe that would be something... Like, I know what it is. What is it? It's you on the piano just pressing one key. <laughs> could, could be that. 
I can, there are tracks that are from that era where I really celebrated slowness that I can like give you. What era is that? I think the, these like the early days of rage. <laughs> no, there was this prize that the National Gallery uh, gave out and I was like nominated for that. And then we staged that piece there. And I think all these like days around that where I thought what was important to me, like in 2016 when we did Angst, like this moment was really important to me. And the idea like of speed and slowness and like how how slow a piece has to be for me to at all like comprehend what's in there so so i started to to slow everything down like mm -hmm. slow down the walking slow down eye movements slow down like head movements and it was so interesting to me like how visual things got just slowing them down and then i was thinking like wow this is like what i'm really good at <laughs> and it looks good <laughs> so uh yeah I like that. We also like, we also like worked with a trainer to then out of the very slow, like have explosions of movement. So it was these things that I told you about basically getting into very fast spasms on and like very fast explosive like movements. And in Natumot now, it became this like blowing up uh, situations where people like uh, were in a circle and then some were looking at the circle some had this almost like a blowing up fit of 10 seconds and like going back into slow Do the performers actually know there's a cue or they just, they know this is the direction we're heading and then suddenly now there's the explosion? There's cues, but the cue is only for coming together. Mm. The explosions or not explosions, that's only on them. But it's working so well. If you would time this and start controlling things, it would never be that beautiful. I think that's the, that's yeah. the thing about it. But going back to the tortoise is also, it has for me something to do with like, with a high or magic, like somehow the tortoise is this, this storytelling animal that has all of the wisdom and like, you know, because they get so old, like it's almost like they, if you get a tortoise now, like it will live longer. It will outlive you. you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Do you have one here? Somewhere running around. No, I will never get one. Oh, I was about to get you a birthday present, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> But it's interesting that pace and also, as you said, being an introvert. I think introvert, extrovert, same time. Same, yeah. I think that's the... Hence the explosion. Yeah. I think that's the thing also why it is sometimes difficult for me, but to react to things that come from... Outside. The outside or that, that towards me 
being seen as this like extrovert that is like in public. Well, that's what I was thinking because with that attention that you got over the past few years and rightly so, does it give you a slight anxiety or you kind of, you know, it inspires you or it actually gives you wings to go, you know, like... Wing. Uh, <laughs> not Red Bull, wings. Joe, it's only wings. <laughs> it was too much pressure sometimes. You're like, oh. Pressure is big, yeah. yeah. Especially maybe the month after Faust, it really blew up in my face. Because it cha everything changed. Like, my relationship changed, my friends changed, like my work relationships changed. It was not so innocent yeah. anymore, you know? Now you felt the... Yeah, which is not bad for me, I think, you know? It's like uh, I thrive from pressure usually and it's good that I'm challenged and that this is like the whole drama of like being on the outside is there because it's it also makes me go out of being an out of introvert, your shell. you know? <laughs> out of your shell. Yeah, and, and it has a lot to do, I think, with being extroverted goes into art, and that's the best way it can go to it. Like, I had the feeling making performance pieces and creating those stages were also creating a safe space for me to perform in, so to say. Like, it's, it's good realizing that and knowing that, and also working with friends knowing that they are in the same space with you. It's a great feeling, you know? It brings something like this idea of alienation becomes somehow something that you can live in a virtuous way or something, you know? Like it's like, it's turning your things into powers <laughs> that, that you have that are actually making things difficult before, you know? Like it's like being an introvert that can be a good thing and can be something that, that you have to overcome. Is that also why you have, like, for instance, working with Eliza, to have someone trusted as a ping pong yeah. partner to kind of exchange and also to be there with you along the ride? Yeah, they are the most challenging, though. The ones of that course, are closest too closest, to you. of course. No, because they know, they know you. There's yeah. no bullshit around. Like, yeah. But you have your tribe around you. So, you yeah. know, at least you get the truth. Yeah, that's true. Even if you like it to don't. <laughs> yeah, it's very challenging to work with friends, but it's very good, too. Also... In my team, it's like people that know me for a long time. It's on the one hand, it's like good because it's Brown. we are in a way give our own context, which mm. is nice because I never had that. I was never like in a community with artists, friends, or something like this, you know. And so, but do you think that also good. sometimes maybe limits you? 
because they know you so well and they have it in context that sometimes if you want to think outside the box, so to say, that, you know. They force me to do that. <laughs> Don't be lazy. Come on, get up. <laughs> no, no, it's like my vision that goes as far as I allow it and I have to push myself. So that's like, and I'm doing that a lot. They more say sometimes like, hey, like, chill. Well, on that note, let's chill. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <Great>. you. Thank <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in this week. If you want to listen to the full playlist, visit ourweonair.com or our Spotify channel. You can also find us on Instagram and on YouTube at ourweonair. And a big thank you to my wonderful team at Studio Noi. I'm Armand Nafei and I'll speak to you soon.